0: Hi, welcome to the landscape of Crane's Cleveland podcast. We're presented with the support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. I'm Dan Paletta. Too often, those exiting the correctional system can have a difficult time re entering society because of the limited education, skills that they might not have, or the fact that they have a criminal record. What they need is a second chance, and one of the people who offers them that second chance is Brandon Krestowski. He's been doing that through his Edwin's Leadership and Restaurant Institute, as well as his restaurant Edwin's and Shaker Square. He teaches people who've left the correctional system the hospitality industry, and he's here to talk about that work and some of the things happening in the square. Brandon, thanks for being with us today for the landscape.
1: Oh, you bet, Dan. It's it's a pleasure, man.
0: You've told the story a million times. Let's make it a million and one. Just for the few people who haven't heard, how you started the whole Edwin's uh, Institute.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always lead off by saying I got arrested. Right. And it's always, um, you know, people are like, what the, What are you talking about? But that's that's truthfully where it began. I didn't know it, but that's where it began. Uh, you know, when I was younger, 18, got arrested and uh, was facing a pretty stiff sentence. Had a judge give me probation. I had a chef when I was uh, looking for a job, take me in under his wing, teach me the fundamentals of culinary arts and hospitality. And uh, from there, the sky was the limit, man. It was it was Paris. It was New York. It was all over. And I really had, you know, the idea to do the Edwin's model in 2004 when two uh, former coworkers had gotten murdered at uh, separate times, uh, two weeks apart, and that really didn't sit right with me. And I said, well, there's got to be a way that they need to change it for someone else, um, like myself, or like someone who may not be here. And that's where the whole idea of Edwin's uh, really started.
0: So you offer a couple of different tracks for people who are either in prison currently or who have just left to become involved in the hospitality industry and to learn it from, from scratch, really from start to finish. How does that work?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like right now, uh, there's, there's two tracks. Like you mentioned, there's one in prison. So uh, we, we teach a hands-on class in Grafton Correctional Camp to inmates. We have programs in culinary clubs statewide and we're, we're on tablets nationwide in, in, in various states. And so how it works is you you would um, either, you know, get on your tablet and take this, you know, 30, 40 hour course of videos and curriculum and quizzes and uh, just begin your dream now. Or you could uh, you could do it in Grafton Correctional Camp if that's where you've been sentenced. And so that's how that track works. Right. You can start dreaming now. Right. You don't have to wait till you get out. And then if you're out or when you get out, you can come to Edwin's here in Shaker Square. And that's the six month program teaching to the top uh, culinary arts and hospitality. You work every position you get business basics, you get basics uh, provided. So whether it be health insurance, IDs, bank accounts, we help you navigate that and get there. And we also have the campus, which is where we're at now. We're in our library, but we have um, about 50 beds for people coming out. Uh, you know, it's a total of six buildings. You know, if you want to change your stars starting now, wherever you're at, uh, you can, and you can complete them when you come out here at the Edwin's.
0: I find it interesting that you have people learn all the industry. You learn about wine, you learn about how to set the table, you learn how to cook, you learn how to be a server. Often, programs are like, "Here's we teach you just this one thing." Why is it so important that you show everybody all of the restaurant or hospitality industry?
1: Yeah, you know, there's there's a couple of takes on that. One, uh, look at excellence is always employable, right? If you if you teach the top and and give that that set of skills, you're you're always going to be in demand. Uh, secondly, you know people look at us as discounted because of our past, so we have to overperform to uh, to be considered equal. Uh, quite honestly, uh, lastly, the the whole skill set being taught uh, gives someone a perspective of this industry, and um, and when you have a perspective of how your role fits into the whole part of the the industry, you can really make uh, the best decision for the team, right? Uh, you could also navigate it when you when you do get that first job, you can climb the ladder really quickly, knowing how it's all constructed together. But I think most importantly, what I believe is is is, is um, just a, a, a tremendous asset is knowing when you're not um, being advanced. So uh, you know for the longest time in our industry, you you'd pick green beans for a while, man, and then you could like actually touch a piece of lettuce, and then you go from there and so on and so forth. So when someone here is getting a press or getting a shaft in another job, um, they know that they can and are able to work any position they choose. It's about finding an employer who's going to you know, help advance them through time. And uh, And if they're not, they can get out. So it's a tremendous tool when it comes to you know, moving and navigating in this industry.
0: Is part of the challenge for the people who do come out of the system convincing themselves that they deserve another chance, that they really have an opportunity here? Because or, 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 it can be tough, I would imagine, just coming out and going, man, I have no job, I got no money, I don't have any car.
1: Yeah, I, I would say. I mean, like that's number. That's the number one challenge by far, is is really um you know just bringing back that uh that esteem and that 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 uh, you know humanity that that prison and poverty has ripped away. It's a, it's a constant, you know. Hey, the when's the other shoe gonna drop? Kind of mentality, and I, I think that uh, it's the saddest, but uh, the, the most difficult part of this program. And the cooking's easy. You know, we could teach people how to make béarnaise sauce, or you know how to how to you know butcher a rabbit or something, but. When it comes to feeling great about yourself and doing your job it's that's a whole different story but again break and rebuild challenge overcome the challenge get stronger and um, continue to stay off balance with what you're learning so you're you're, you're growing um but you know we, we provide a more powerful yes right we provide a pathway to to resist maybe some of the temptation that that, that the road you know you once went on you no longer go on uh, but 100 dan you hit it on the head that's our number one challenge
0: do you ever talk to the chefs who hire you the, the the graduates of the institute? What do they say to you?
1: I mean, they're thankful. I mean, you know, to make it through our program, you you, you know, you got to be strong. I mean, you got to be strong. and You you got to be passionate. You have to be committed to what it is you're doing. And you know, the the biggest things we get is, you know, thank you for you know retaining this um, you know the love, and the passion, and and respect for our industry that 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 we cut our teeth on. Right? We always think it's this. Uh, old-school tradition but it's it's just not it's 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 exercising the care and passion and someone honing that and that's what I think they're most grateful for not just a body to do a job it's, it's someone who's passionate and knowledgeable and and, and, is, and is strong to um you know to build that that restaurant or that career on
0: There was a wonderful short documentary made about the program a few years ago. And as I watched, rewatched it, I thought to myself, if people think that you just, this is kind of like a pity thing, like we're going to bring people in here and kind of train them, you got to really jump through all the hoops. (laughs) It's a demanding program.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, man. I mean, it's, it's something, but you know what, when you find someone who's like, you know, comfortable in discomfort, you got someone who's going to make it not just in the restaurant business, but in life. You know, skill is such a valuable thing to have, whether it's carpentry or cooking or, you know, whatever it is you do, medical. I mean, it's a really important thing to have a skill. And We do that. We do that to the top. And I tell you what, um, it's a tough place, but it's a good place.
0: Do you have ways of measuring the program's success? How do you, what, what are some of the, the criteria you say, well, this is why this is successful?
1: Yeah, you know, everything everything's like tailored to the person who's in the program. So, you know, there's individual dreams, right? Someone might want a hot dog cart. Someone might want a restaurant. Someone might want to work in France. You know, I measure a lot of our success on getting someone to their their next step of their long term goal, or helping them see it through to their long term goal, and, uh, and that's where we measure our success at. So it's more of a, um, I don't know, somewhat subjective benchmark, but it is individual to someone. So it is it is it is a concrete benchmark. Uh, other other you know metrics that we'll use is like recidivism or the rate at which you return back to prison, and and we're, we're still under 1% of our graduates, which is over 500. Uh, So we're we're rocking up the recidivism rate. It's low. We look at it in terms of what's someone getting paid. But again, that's relative to someone's dream and what they want to do. And yeah, those are like the hardcore metrics that we use. Otherwise, I mean, to me, does someone get to where they want to go or is progressing to where they want to go, both in their career, in their family life, in their social life, whatever it may be, that's success.
0: There weren't a lot of good things we could say about COVID, but one of the things that did actually benefit is it enabled you to expand the program in some respects out of necessity. Can you talk about the expansion with the tablets in, into uh, more facilities?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, COVID rocked. I mean, we, we doubled business, Dan. I mean, we, we pulled together. We did four meals for $40. You know, we've, we fed the souls of the east side because, you know, it was pretty, it was dim out there, man. People didn't know what to expect next. And, and I think food was uh, was a lot of people's center. That was, that was a, a big move. The uh, the tablet program we've been working for like a year, year and a half, and that was uh, I don't know if it I would say it's all COVID. I mean, it could be you know could partially say COVID, maybe moved things in the needle on um, on the uh, the other end, but on our end, we've just been trying to work that to get to more people to let them know what it is and how it works, and that you can you can begin your dreams now, and how we, how it works with us is we have a, a company called GTL that provides prison tablets to inmates around the country, and um, we have our curriculum are, you know, videos and tests and quizzes on their tablets, right? So they release them state by state, region by region. And as they come up, you know, inmates have access to it. What underscores this opportunity even more is a relationship with the Cleveland Browns. You know, the Cleveland Browns, the Haslams, man, these guys are A1. And they put, you know, about 65000 behind this this program from how it was shot to um, to travel scholarships, that if you complete the program, the Browns will pay for your travel to get here to Cleveland and, you know, put you up in one of our 50 beds, right? We got housing here too. So it's a real, um, everyone says there's hope, right? Oh, there's hope. This is an honest to goodness way to achieve it, right? So it's not just this idea of, Hey, study this, watch this video and these test quizzes. Hey, if you complete this program with a certain average, you have a ticket here. And if you have a ticket here, you have housing here, you're covered. If you have housing here, you also have a paid training program. So it's a realistic way to start turning your stars around. And, um, I don't know. I mean, that's the most powerful thing about what we do.
0: Brandon Kriskowski joins us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We're presented with support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. Brandon, about a year ago, you bought the space that Doug Katz had where a uh, fire was housed and opened Edwin's 2. What goes on in there?
1: Edwin's 2, man, it's, it's great. It's like a, uh, it's one of these, these um, scenarios where as a chef, you just kind of love the creativity that goes on there. So it's it's um, first and foremost incubator space, right? So someone's there right now; they're they're getting their product together, or they're they're selling their product from out of there. Uh, Other times, it's guest chefs coming in to do their dinner, like we just did, like a Gullah Gucci dinner. Um, you know, a chef comes in there, does that. We've done Peruvian dinners. So like, any day of the week, this thing can like flux and move and look different ways, which is really cool. And there's always that like. Um, uh, that environment where, where people are growing, right? There's never, no, nothing better to be in an environment where people are growing and things are happening. And then on the weekends, we do we do brunch, right? Just like Doug did, Saturdays and Sundays, killing it. It's great. We take our, our fresh baked bread, our freshly made bacon and so on, and we bring it all together here at Edwin's too. And then on the weekends, we, we've been doing his live music, right? We've been, um, you know, we had Fair Na- Dominic Farinacci there a few weeks ago. Uh, we had Moises here, Brazilian music. I mean, we just do a lot of, local and some non-local artists in a very small intimate environment with, um, with food paired to, to the music. So, that uh, was too, man, it's, it's a blast. Like it's, it's just a blast is the best way to describe
0: it. So if I'm a, if I'm a budding chef or a chef with a concept, I can just come to you and say, Brandon, I'd like to try to do this for a couple of nights and I'm able to do that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and we work with like major companies in, in Cleveland that, that have like some concepts they want to test out in the market. And they'll use it here. And then we've had some neighborhood, you know, just aspiring chefs. That's all you have to do. You call up, say, this is my idea. This is what I want to do. And the first thing, you know, we're going to say is, I mean, no problem, but, you know, where, where are you at right now? And let's, let's make sure this is a, a sustainable pathway. You're on the right growth, uh, you know. So we're also here. You, you, you'll notice in this pandemic, more licenses, um, uh, you know, or, or LLCs were filed than ever before for businesses and new businesses, Right but like a record number never started. So we, we know that there's this, this passion for people who want to do it, but there's also this disconnect on how to actually make it happen. So that's exactly what happens over there. And we help walk you through it or we're hands off. We say, hey, here's the space and, and, and let's roll.
0: So much has been made during this pandemic about restaurants and not being able to get people to come back to work. But you had an interesting piece. You wrote an op-ed for the Dallas Morning News where you said that the restaurant industry isn't broken, but the leadership is. Why is that broken?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, and I think it's a lot of cultures. It's just this draconian approach of saying that work is is a um, labor in exchange for dollars is the primary driver or uh, focus on on the, on the on the relationship of employee and employer. And, and I, I just think that it's a terrible way of looking at, at at a job. Right? To me, it's it's you're putting first the employee and their and their their dreams and their desires and their drive. Right? We're, where does someone want to go, and and while doing that, there is an exchange of labor for, for for dollars, right? But when you when you don't put that person first, what ends up happening oftentimes, and you've seen it in our industry especially, is you see people saying, you know what, I I don't need I don't need to do this. I mean, I have dreams too, and I want to advance myself too, and. And I'm going to you know, go work at a place that maybe I can do that on my off time. I don't have to do these hours. I, w- I want to grow is what the bottom line is. It's just not about limping through and, 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 um, and surviving. It's, it's about living. And, and, and in our industry, we've really been bad about that growth. We've tried to either manipulate or cash strap or you know just kind of hold people in positions where they can't get up and grow. And, and that's the number one killer of our business in the, in the, in the staffing issues, right? Let someone grow. Let, let them dream. Help them achieve those dreams. You know what? In the meantime, let's work and get paid, all right? So we don't have a shortage like some people have a shortage. And you know we're a stipend-based program. It's a free program to learn, and but you also get paid. So I, I think this is a very good case in point that it's not this idea that $20 an hour is going to drive it like Cedar Point. It's an idea of am I going to get better in my life and progress to where I want to be and go if, in fact, um, someone can can help provide that pathway and then also survive with the uh, the money and et cetera to, uh, to follow.
0: Edmonds is located on Shaker Square. That's a neighborhood that's seen as fair shares of ups and downs. But you seem really committed to Shaker Square. Why, why do you want to stay in that area?
1: So, I mean, I, I moved from Manhattan to come here. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, it really drove me to the Shaker Square area uh, cause when I first moved to Cleveland it was little Italy I mean one this just feels like home okay there's there's a, there's a sense of diversity there's um, there's worlds that collide here I think you you'll find both with culinary both with economic both with race ethnicity gender it's just this um, this pot that 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 kind of gets melt, melted together in this square literally it's a square and um, that that to me is uh, the biggest draw here you have a neighborhood that is um, Got a ton of passion, a ton of soul, and it hasn't been uh, to my to my belief. Okay, it hasn't been invested in as 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 a neighborhood with this sort of passion and soul should be. So, I, I feel called to to be here. My wife and I live right behind CVS. So, I mean, like we, we live in the square. If you, you know, CVS is in Shaker Square. Uh, the community has been ultra supportive of the ideals of Edwins, and so I mean, this is. I don't know. I mean, it's like it feels like you're at the best place you can be with cheerleaders and and people rooting you on and believing in what's possible. And and uh, and there's no there's no uh, blinders to life also. Right. I mean, there's also the reality of what life is because you do see distress. You do see, you know, the things in life that that sometimes get covered up in in, in downtowns or or, uh, other parts of the world. Right. I, I just I just love it here, man. I just feel like I'm called to be here and I feel like it's just the right spot.
0: The city of Cleveland is supposed to be investing some $10 million into the square with the stimulus money they're going to receive. If you're the Zara of Shaker Square, what are some of the things you do with that money?
1: Well, I mean, I think the first thing is I, w- I wouldn't want to take that. <laughs> first of all, I mean, it's, it's a good amount of money. But I think the request or the um, ask for that amount of money, Dan, is to overpay a bank by about, a, I don't know, $6 million for a property that they're going to do. And I, I wouldn't want that. Money to overpay for a property. I would rather hammer the banks on a good business deal, and maybe take a lot of that ten million and give it to the schools or the you know the streets out here that could really use it, and and hammer home a good business deal with a um, with a stubborn bank. That's how you do business, right? If then the deal was right, I would take and use whatever funds possible to to turn Shaker Square into the social enterprise capital of the country. Um, Social enterprise and social justice are a great rhetoric in our, in our dialogue nowadays, but, um, the commitment to a space or a center or a, um, a, a flag bearer, a flagship for social enterprise and social justice doesn't exist. Okay. It exists in little pockets that it. maybe it's a classroom at a university, but there's no capital for it. And this is, this is what Shaker square could be. It's got the, um, the economic crossroads for it. It's got the, um, the, the damn architecture is built for it. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a square. It's, it's like an enclave, right? And um, I believe you also have a community that would support such a thing, uh, both locally and uh, nationally or internationally. So th- that's what I would use it for, to keep and hammer these, uh, these rents down to a low price that make it accessible for young entrepreneurs. Uh, but at the same time, have, have it in a, in a place that's, that looks, um, feels safe and nice and et cetera. But um, reflects the neighborhood, right? That's that's what I would do with an extra amount of capital. But I don't know if you need ten million dollars to do this. I mean, this is a this is a six million dollar deal plus some um, deferred maintenance that you know you could wrap up for um, for a certain sum. Let's put it that way.
0: Cleveland just had a mayoral election. You ran in twenty seventeen. Did you ever give any more thought about throwing your hat into the ring this year?
1: This year, no. I mean, like I, I'll say, yeah, I, I would. I, I had thought that. You know, off the heels of the 2017 election, right? You know, I didn't get into the uh, the general, but after the primary, I said, man, you know, to get whatever percent of the vote that we did, I mean, to have no political, you know, clout or, or name, and, and, and it kind of came through pretty good. Uh, I thought about it, but a, but a year into um, Edwin's and what was going on here after the 2017, that 2017-2018 year, uh, things just exploded in terms of, one, the, um, our housing nearly doubled. Like the project here, I started getting more properties, uh, we started to really flush out Buckeye. The business increased tremendously. Then, then, believe it or not, I mean, COVID happened, right? So you're hanging on the heels of this. I mean, it wasn't really much of a thought after like 2019 that I was going to run this term, but there's nothing that would rule out a, a run in the future. We're going like this right now. We're really flying upwards, and I just don't think it's the right time to step off the plane. So, so to be determined, but I, I didn't think this year was the time, but next year might be the time.
0: Finally, you are busy. You're doing all kinds of things. Do you get a chance to, are you in the kitchen very much? Do, or do you actually get a chance to cook very much? <laughs>
1: yeah. So, um, you know, every now and then that flame, you, you know, it needs to be relit and you, you know, there's things that need to be done with um, how you run a business to stay connected to that business. Right. So, you know, oftentimes I'm in a suit running around a dining room, um, you know, hitting a meeting here, hitting a meeting there. And uh, over the last three weeks, I, I wanted to take this new menu under my belt and uh, brought back a lot of the old things I did in Paris or central France. And I'm spending now, you know, good 30 hours a week in the kitchen, hands-on with, uh, with staff, with students. And I tell you what, it feels I feels great, but I also feel the, uh, the tide is really rising with uh, connectivity and um, people being engaged and doing a lot better at what it is that they do and uh feeling like they're making big strides and so i i feel more connected now to the kitchen than ever it feels great and um and plus i just like going back to the roots man i mean that's where i started you know i was you know i roasted bones for a long time in my career and uh it feels good to do it again
0: we're so glad you could join us today to talk about what's going on in edwards and shaker square brandon krasowski thanks so much for joining us today
1: oh dan you bet man thanks again for having me and um and keep the good work at Cranes. You know, it's one of those staples that we 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 look at, we watch and monitor to give us a beat on the city and, and what's happening. So I know that that takes work on your your behalf too. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Brendan Kraskowski joins us today for the Landscape of Cranes Cleveland Podcast. We are presented with support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. I'm Dan Paletta. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, thank you for joining us and we'll talk again soon.